fairy tales, children's stories about magical and imaginary beings and lands, often the first lens we give young minds to view the world they live in. Many assume these are fictional stories to be taken lightly, but what if there is more to them? This is a podcast where we'll tell you some myths and tales that you thought you knew, and we'll show you how they are connected to real-life crimes today. This is Scary Tales, where the stories of your childhood meet real-life horror. We'll discuss how the light and happy tales of youth actually have a darker history to them. We'll also discuss true crime today and some of the eerie connections they have to the myths and legends of yesterday. Tune in for a new tale every other Tuesday. You can find us on Spotify, Apple, and anywhere you stream your podcast. Welcome back. It's uh, Scary Tales. Time for Scary Tales. And for snacks. And for snacks. And a very on-theme snack today. We've been doing yes, a good job with that lately. We have. Pairing our snacks with our stories. Stories paired honestly, with true crime. Honestly, we get our snack and we're like, I think snack is priority. And then story is well, second. Well, I literally just had to ask you, should we do the story part first or the snack <laughs> part? Because we just want to jump straight to we, the snack. It's easier for Chase to edit it if we do it in order. But sometimes we cannot sometimes wait we to can't. eat the snack. So yeah. we do the snack break first. Which is fine. That's a little sometimes, behind the scenes. Sometimes we get a little hungry. Sometimes we do. And that way you don't hear our stomachs growling while we're filming because we're just waiting for the snacks. And, you know, sometimes after you eat a snack or you eat a good, like on Sunday, when you go to church on Sunday, mm-hmm. you come home, you eat a good lunch. What does that make you? Fat and happy and sleepy. And sleepy. So sometimes after you eat a snack, you get a little sleepy. Which, speaking of being sleepy. That, that brings us to our, our tale today, which is... Sleeping Beauty. Sleeping Beauty. Some of you guys have been waiting for us to do Sleeping yeah, Beauty. Yeah, we've had a lot of people interested in this one online. You know, Hannah and I were talking about it, and Sleeping Beauty was never one of our favorites. And I think it's because the seemingly like protagonist of the story is asleep the whole time. Yeah. Kind of so like, it comes across as a little boring uh-huh. to some. Yeah, but the real story from which Sleeping Beauty was inspired by is not boring. Oh, no. It's not boring at all. It's quite the opposite. Yeah, it's terrifying. Gross, bone chilling. Um, Yeah, we'll start off with Disney, and then we'll give you a little bit of a content warning where if you need to fast forward or change, you can. And they're like, what? For Sleeping uh, Beauty? Yeah, just hang on to that. As we normally do start, though, Lacey, you want to start us off with Disney? I sure will. She said, she told me earlier, she said, I tried to watch. Oh, yeah. I tried to watch it the other night and I feel, I've seen, I've seen Sleeping Beauty before, but I was trying to watch it the other night and I fell asleep in the first five minutes. Which, again, it's on brand. You've seen it, but it is. And you've seen it before. So I get that you like, you know, it's not as entertaining Mm -hmm. if you've already seen it. But like, you would never fall asleep during Lion King or Pocahontas. No. Never. Even though you've seen those a million times. Mm -hmm. So, not our favorite Disney movie movie but to um, some people it is so we're gonna cover it anyway yeah and i think it'll be more interesting once you know some of the story behind it Mm -hmm. so go ahead hit us so disney 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 sleeping beauty it came out in 1959 and it starts off with princess aurora Uh, it is her christening and there is an evil fairy named maleficent that shows up and basically she's just pissed that she didn't get invited to the baby shower so she curses baby aurora Aurora. That's so hard to say. Aurora. 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 Um, So that when she's 16, she will prick her finger on a spinning wheel and die. However, there are some good fairies in the movie. There's three of them. There's Meriwether, 
flora and fauna, and they kind of make the curse a little less uh, detrimental, and they say that she will just sleep until she receives true love's kiss. So the king orders that all the spinning wheels in the kingdom be burned to reduce the risk of her pricking her finger. Meanwhile, the three good fairies take Aurora to a cottage in the woods so that she can kind of grow up in seclusion and be protected from Maleficent. However, 16 years later, Aurora, as most Disney princesses do, she's out in the woods talking to animals, singing her song. And at this point, she's called Briar Rose. And she runs into Prince Philip, who's also out in the woods doing whatever princes do out there. And they fall in love pretty instantly. And it's at this point that the fairies inform Aurora of her royal heritage. And they travel back to the castle where they leave Aurora unattended. And surprise, surprise, she found that one freaking spinning wheel uh, and pricks her finger and she that enacts the curse and she falls asleep. But Prince Philip finds out and he and the three fairies are able to defeat Maleficent and he kisses Aurora and she wakes up from the curse and they live happily ever after. Pretty classic. Mm-hmm. It, I it like, has all the classic Disney fairy tale things. Yeah, I like one. my favorite, the only, well, I'm not going to say the only good part of this movie, but because some people like it, but when the fairies are in the cottage and they're trying to make her a cake, she's like, one cup of sugar, and she just gets a literal cup and just dumps the cup into the batter. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of cute. Mm-hmm. So there's Disney. Mm-hmm. Seemingly innocent. Yeah. We've already talked in some previous episodes of some of the problematic things with True Love's Kiss mm-hmm. and, you know, kissing seemingly deceased comatose women uh-huh. uh main flashback i'm getting is to snow white mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we've also talked about how some sometimes the story behind the story isn't actually true love's kiss again snow white's true love's kiss was not that it was a big old slap on the back or a dropping of a coffin to dislodge the piece of apple in her throat right you're gonna get similar yeah. differences today yeah. but way mm-hmm. worse mm-hmm. if you will it's called necrophilia. It is. And even though she sings it, it doesn't make it less <laughs> disgusting. A couple fun facts before the original story. Uh, when they released uh, Sleeping Beauty, it was advertised as six years in the making. They were like, man, we've been working on this for a long and it, time. And it apparently cost them $6 million to make. I don't understand why it costs that much to make an animated film, but... When, back then too mm-hmm. you know like i can see people nowadays like chart up charging for their voice but mm-hmm. back then when disney animated sleeping beauty they had actors perf- and this is actually probably why it costs so much yeah they had actors perform every scene of the movie for the animators so that they could make it more realistically animated which i appreciate yeah. the attention to detail but probably unnecessary mm-hmm. it was the last animated fairy tale until the little mermaid 30 years later and that's because I was reading that when Sleeping Beauty first came out, it bombed. Yeah, it wasn't a it, it wasn't it wasn't they, a hit. They had to re-release it multiple times, and eventually it did become what it is. It is famous now, um, but at first it was a bomb, so they held off for thirty years. It was also supposedly Walt thought that this would be his masterpiece, like the big one, yeah. but he was also building Disneyland at the same time, and it got kind of got put on the back burner, and it just wasn't when it first came out what they thought it would be. So. And we're going to do an episode on Little Mermaid eventually. Oh, yeah. it's all, She's on the list. She's been on the mm-hmm. list for a while. The prince in the story, his name is Philip, and he was intentionally named after Prince Philip, the Duke of Edinburgh, um, one who eventually married 
was married to the Queen of England, uh, who actually just recently passed he away. He died yesterday he at did. the age of 99. Which, he, looked, he, 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 was, he was struggling. Yeah. But a little, little fun fact for you there. A little, little pop culture for you there. Mm-hmm. And you want to share this last one since you've actually yeah. been to Disneyland and I haven't. I have not been to Disneyland. Oh, you've been I've been to, to Disney, Disney World. World. But so each castle and each park is different. In Disney World, it's Cinderella's Castle. In Disneyland, it's Sleeping Beauty's Castle. But Disneyland opened in 1955, which was almost four years before Sleeping Beauty was released. Because so, remember, it took six years to yeah. make, so they were already making the film. So they yeah. went ahead and made so the castle. the castle in the middle of Disneyland, people were kind of wondering whose castle this would be. And they kind of used it as a promotional tool. And um, that didn't necessarily work no because when the film came out you gotta shoot your shot so and part of me wonders like maybe this wasn't a super successful film because maybe not a lot of people knew the actual story behind which i mean not a lot of people know the story behind the story anyway but i feel like this one was maybe even lower on the list right because they weren't out there preaching necrophilia and right um which is time to get down to it yeah so let's talk about it uh, there's actually a lot of different original versions of this story. Mm-hmm. Apparently just like a super old one that was passed down oral tradition where Germans have a version, French, Italians, Spain, everyone has a version of this. Kind of like all the versions of Santa Claus. Right. Kind of like all the versions of Santa Claus. And they're all a little bit different. So, um, the supposedly one of the originals, and again, you can probably keep going back. I mean, I feel like every however much time people are going to find like a version before the version but one of the earlier versions of sleeping beauty was written down by an italian author named and we've talked about him before mm-hmm, we sure have um and i um, i can't remember i looked up how to say his name gian battiste he published the book called the tale of tales in 1634 where sleeping beauty was one of those tales mm-hmm. uh, there were 50 different stories including uh rapunzel who we have not done yet Cinderella, who have we we have not done yet, and Snow White, who was our very first story. So that's why it took me a minute to remember it, because that was all the way back mm, it was. at the beginning of this. But in, the, in that version, it wasn't called Sleeping Beauty. It was called Sun, Moon, and Talia. Right, which I heard that the first like people to use the term Sleeping Beauty was actually a, the ballet. The ballet oh, version oh. of it was the first one to call it Sleeping Beauty, and then Disney. Mm-hmm was like, that probably makes more sense than Sun, Moon, and Talia. Mm-hmm. Well, and they probably were trying to stray from... I do like the name Talia more than Aurora, just because I can't say it. Well, and I think the reason why they chose Aurora is just because that... It means it dawn. Means dawn, and it mm-hmm. is more symbolic. I don't know. Talia probably means Aurora in, in Italian, and I just don't know enough about Italian. But Basile's book was used by Charles Perrault, or Perrault, in 1697. Uh, when he wrote The Sleeping Beauty in the Woods. Then Grimm does their version called... Of course they do. Yes, called Little Briar Rose, which was released in 1812. And ironically, Grimm's <clears throat> version of all of these is probably the second most mild to the Disney version. Right. They get... The for, the older they get, the, the more get. yeah, yeah. The, Which, more horrific they get. And we, we've talked about this before, but Grimm even did two different versions of their stories. They mm-hmm. had a... The first version was more gruesome than the second version. They cleaned it up. But they cleaned up the story. You know, mm-hmm. This was actually one that they cleaned up. So you, you can't really even... We're not we're not really looking at the grim one today because the ones before were more grim. Yeah, we're going to look more at the um, 
Giambasile's version. In Basile's version, the princess was not swept off her feet. It was not this romanticized version. No. It was, uh, this is your your content warning here, Mm -hmm. uh, because we're going to be talking about some sexual assault. Mm -hmm. So, um, if that makes you, if that's a trigger warning, just go ahead and know now that it's only going to get worse mm-hmm. from here. If you want, fast forward to the snack break. So here we go. In Giambattista Basile's version of Sleeping Beauty, a king finds an abandoned palace. He is, uh, I guess, again, one of these people who's just out in the woods for whatever Doing reason. things, talking to the animals. Um, he has a falcon. And again, birds come up here a lot. And this falcon kind of uh, flies up into this palace window. He tries to go find his bird originally happens to find a ladder. He's laying around. Just, just there. So he climbs up into this tower to find his bird. Ends up also finding a sleeping woman uh, who is Talia in this story. And she is lying on this bed, uh, supposedly dead. She's dead. She's not yeah. asleep. She's not yeah. sleeping, beauty. She's dead, beauty. Um, And the, the first part of this story was similar with the whole, well... With the whole prophecy that she's going to die, you know, she's going to die or fall asleep or whatever. But it's not a, a the spinning wheel. It's not the pricking of the finger. It is a piece of flack that is stuck beneath her fingernail, which... Ow. Ow. Yeah. I would rather prick my finger than have a piece, a piece of, of have like a, a splinter underneath, underneath my fingernail. Also, you just get those splinters sometimes that feel like they will kill you. Right, because it hurt so bad. Your yeah, and she just got one, and it just straight up and it killed just, her. And that was it. Took her out. Um, here's a quote from the story because this is where things get disturbing. Again, the king is up in this tower, this abandoned tower, finds this girl. Mm-hmm. From the story, crying aloud, the king beheld her charms and felt his blood course hotly through his veins. <clears throat> he lifted her in his arms and carried to her, carried her to a bed where he gathered the first fruits of love. That's also known as sexual assault. Yeah, this is disturbing, mm-hmm. to, to say the least. He he raped a a dead girl. Yeah. And that's where we're starting off. That's where this starts off. Mm-hmm. Um, right. I mean, I, I just feel like the author couldn't even write down, I mean, for him to say she he gathered the first fruits of love, like, he couldn't even write down what just happened. Yeah. He tried to make it, romanticize it. Right. After this, the king returns home to his family because mm-hmm. he has an, another family because he's a king. He has mm-hmm. a queen. And just to- no longer thinks about the incident. Totally forgets about it. Well, nine months later, um, Talia gives birth to two children. Still unconscious. Unco- no, no recollection. I mean, no, no physical, mental, awareness. social, any sort of awareness. Gives birth to twins. A boy... And a girl named Sun and Moon. Uh, two fairies came and helped her care for the babies. And by helped her care for the babies, I mean they like literally like placed the babies on her chest so that they could feed because mm-hmm. she is still comatose, whatever you want to call it. Right. One day when the babies are feeding, the one of the babies accidentally ends up um, nursing on her fingers instead of her breast. And when she's sucking on the finger, she pulls that piece of flax out from underneath her fingernail and Talia comes back to life. Mm. So it's not true love's first kiss, 
Um, it's not a slap. It's not a assault. A good old suckle. It's just yeah, and suckle on the finger. Pull, pulls this this finger this uh, splinter out of her fingernail, and she's back to life. Which I'm not sure where they got that idea from, but it make that part sure. makes me chuckle a little bit. Mm-hmm. When Talia or our what we would know as Sleeping Beauty wakes up, she finds these two like newborns and has no concept of who they are or mm-hmm. where they came from. Her she just her rolls mind, with it though. Yeah, her mind doesn't go to oh these are mine, but she does. I mean, she's loving, she's nurturing. She picks up the babies and decides to care for them as her own, which she will later find out that they are her own. Mm-hmm. For whatever reason, eventually the king remembers her and decides to go back to the palace where, I mean, I highly doubt he's going back to like take care of her and mm-hmm. the children. He's uh, like, well, well, he, remember he that one good yeah. time I had? Well, he good. doesn't even, I mean, I'm sure he doesn't even think that, that she was pregnant or got pregnant and had kids. Mm-hmm. But he does go back. He finds Talia awake and he explains to her what happens. Uh, I would love to know what he said. But because she falls in love with him, he decides to take her back to his kingdom and he's going to take care of them. Which I did read somewhere. This was supposed to be a little bit representative of kings back then and how they would often have mistresses. That they would have these side families Mm -hmm. that they would kind of keep secret or keep hidden because they actually had a real family because he does leave out the fact that he's already married uh, for, for Talia. So she does not know that part, but he does take her back to her kingdom. Um, and he kind of takes care of them on the side. He's living this double life in this version of the story. There's actually not technically a Maleficent. The quote unquote Maleficent of this story is the King's wife. Mm-hmm. Cause so she, she finds becomes, out. Yeah. She about... becomes kind of the, the witch villain. Mm-hmm old hag of the story because she finds out that her husband has this side Side lady chick that he's impregnated family Mm -hmm. not sure if she knows the whole story about the not alive part of it Mm -hmm. but she threatens him she uh, threatens to reveal his secret he has a a mistress she warns him if you hide the truth from me you will never be found again dead or alive which sounds pretty villainous to me. He eventually does like tell her everything and the queen decides to take matters into her own hands. She tricks Talia or Sleeping Beauty into sending her children to her. Uh, so like to the queen's court where, which I'm not really sure why Talia was just like, okay, yeah, mm-hmm. but she tricks her. I, I'm pretty sure she said the king wants to see them. Oh, so yeah. bring them. Yeah. Use, to the, me. use the, mm-hmm. the king as the, the bait. bait. The queen orders her cook to, and this comes up in stories all the time too. Mm-hmm. Hansel uh, and Gretel. <laughs> Hansel and Gretel, yeah. The queen orders the cook to kill the children and cook them up in, quote, several tasteful dishes for her wretched husband. Sounds like a villain to me. It does. Uh, the cook, however, is the hero of the story. Kind of like the huntsman in kind Snow of, White. Yeah, kind of like the huntsman. He does not have the heart to kill the kids. Instead, he, like, hides them away. I think he gives them to his wife and says, take care of these kids. He Mm -hmm. kills two lambs or other animals, two small animals in their place, and basically tricks the queen into thinking that she's feeding her husband his illegitimate kids. Mm -hmm. The queen at dinner is just, like, watching the king eat, and she just is pumped because she thinks that she's tricked him. And uh, whenever 
he compliments the food because, I mean, the cook was a good cook. She keeps telling him, eat, eat, you are eating of your own, which he doesn't know what that means. Mm-mm. I mean, he's probably like, yeah, are these my animals that we raised? Yeah. He does finally kind of pick up on this because he's like, he, he, it's weird that she just keeps saying this. So he says, I know perfectly well that I'm eating of my own because you have brought nothing into this house. Boom. Roasted. Cause he's like, yeah, this every, I provide everything that this family has. Well, he's saying it's, he's saying you can oh, provide me with children. Yeah. yeah. So, um, she does not like that idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she, or I guess she kind of is retaliating against his snide comment. So she decides, she also wants to feed him Sleeping Beauty. So she wants to kill Talia and cook her as well. Mm-hmm. The queen uh, calls out to Talia or Sleeping Beauty, who obviously unaware of the whole assault thing. And she says to Sleeping Beauty, you are a fine piece of goods, you ill weed, who are enjoying my husband. She later goes on to call Sleeping Beauty a lump. The lump of filth, the cruel witch that has caused my head to spin. Except it wasn't the word witch. Yeah, I just didn't say it. I edited that a little bit. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously. She's, she's fired not, up. Yeah, I mean, I'd, so happy. I'd be pissed too. Which, yeah, I mean, I mm-hmm. would too. But I wouldn't try to cook their children. But, you know. Yeah. So she tries to get rid of the kids, or she thinks she gets rid of the kids. Now she wants to get rid of Talia. Burn her at the stake. In one, yeah, in one version, she wants to cook Talia, and that uh-huh. plan doesn't work. In another version, she go, they go with burning at the stake. Uh, even though Talia like tells her every her side of the story, she doesn't want to listen. Mm-hmm. Um, so to stall for time, Talia asks if she can like take off her clothes before being burned, which the the queen agrees to because it's nice clothing, and she wants to keep the like fancy right. No dress sense in wasting herself. that, right? While this is like a, a stalling mechanism for Talia, so mm-hmm. while she's doing this, she's like slowly taking her dress off and she's screaming at the top of her lungs, just hoping someone hears and comes and saves her. Which the king does show up, and he then orders for the queen to be thrown into the fire instead of Talia. Mm-hmm. He also wants the cook to be thrown into the fire because he finds out that the queen got the cook to cook the kids, mm-hmm. but the cook is able to save himself because he says, I didn't do it. Surprise. Here sa- your- yeah, here are your kids. I saved them. And so the queen is burned at the stake, and Talia and the king and the kids and the cook all live happily ever after. Yeah, and, and the tale ends with oh, the last a line. moral yeah. of the story. And it, what does it say? The, the last two lines of the story are, Quote, those whom fortune favors find good luck even in their sleep. Because a man coming up and having his way with you while you're asleep is good luck. is good fortune. I I have no words. No. Nope. Hate it. I have no. I, I really, <laughs> I mean, those whom fortune favors. So she's this girl who was, you know, prophesied to die from a young age and who falls into this misfortune and then gets assaulted in her sleep and impregnated by a abuser and then lives happily ever after with him mm-hmm. lives ever happily ever is, after is with her rapist lucky yeah they were I see why different changed. times back i then. mean 
Yeah. I, mm-hmm. I, I Disney, see why Disney... Disney cleaned that one up. Well, yeah. But then they also, in 2014, and I love this movie, they came out with the live-action Maleficent. Have you seen it? I actually haven't. Uh, Dana. Well, because, hold on. I tried to the other day, but on Disney Plus, I it's think only the f- they only one. have the second one. We'll fix that. I think I have it on DVD. Okay, it's one of I love that tonight? movie. I don't know about tonight, but we can watch it at some point. Yeah. yeah. The Maleficent does tell the side of Maleficent, which makes her not seem so evil. And it's the story of how she was betrayed by a man that she loved. So you could kind of see how this relates to the scorned wife in the original version being mm-hmm. betrayed by her husband. And in the end, Maleficent kills the king, King I Stephen. Like, I like that version much better. Mm-hmm. I do too. I haven't seen the second one. I don't know why, but I well, need to second, do that too. The Marathon. Ones of, the second ones of things are not normally as good as the first. Yeah. Um, but I would be curious to see what, where they're taking that mm-hmm. storyline. But I, th- I do think we have some more fun facts. Uh, as if what we just shared with you was fun. But <laughs> we'll end it on a fun note. Yeah, we'll try to we'll try to end you with some interesting facts because that's that one's pretty bad of the stories behind mm-hmm. the stories. Yeah, I'll admit that. And what was it teaching people of that time too? Right. I mean, imagine because you know, again, the majority of these kinds of stories were geared towards younger people. Mm-hmm. I- Find a comatose lady in the woods have your way or you know find yourself in a horrible situation just get married and it'll you'll live happily ever after yep so some other facts which (laughs) these are just some of these blow my mind Mm -hmm. Uh, you want me i'll share the first one then you share the second one because the second one talks about medical stuff and you know i pass medical stuff so in august of 2012 which is not that far that long away Mm -hmm. uh the national museum of art in uh national art museum in ukraine held a uh artistic event one of these kind of uh, live action art mm-hmm. things. I think Shia LaBeouf does those kind of things a lot. Well, that makes sense. Um, <laughs> where they had five beautiful women lay down and pretend like they were asleep, which, okay. Mm. But this one had audience participation. Mm-hmm. So men were able to sign up to kiss these sleeping women. Okay. Who thought this was a good idea? I don't know. I mean, it kind of makes me think of like the whole kissing booth kind of things, mm-hmm. but we're adding in the sleeping. Yeah element to it however uh the women who signed up had to sign an agreement that if they opened their eyes while being kissed they would have to marry the man kissing them what is the point of this Uh, did they want to get married or did they not i don't know i mean i could keep my eyes closed with some random person kissing me it's not that difficult just i I have no idea but similarly the men who did the kissing also had to sign an agreement I mean, this is, I guess this is like a liability thing where you have to sign an agreement that's like, if you kiss this person, they open their eyes. You, you have to marry You will get them. married. Uh, none of the women opened their eyes. So apparently no marriages happened. And then everybody that. was like, but wah, wah, anticlimactic. But also, who allowed that? No, I don't know. Sometimes, I, I'm, I love art. I teach English. I love literature. But I do think sometimes people get away with things in the name of art and creativity mm-hmm. more than they should. And this is a good example. Performance of that art. Right. Where no one should be practicing that. No one should be practicing kissing fun, comatose women with fun. the prospect of potentially marrying them if they opened their eyes. Well, that's what they're doing over in the Ukraine. <sighs> Apparently back in 2012. Mm-hmm. Uh, another fun fact for you. Lacey's going to give it to us because it has to do with a medical syndrome. Yeah. So there is supposedly a very rare medical syndrome nicknamed the sleeping beauty syndrome where about and only about 30 
percent of the cases are women, but with men or women, the person suffering from the disorder will have periods where they suddenly become excessively sleepy, often sleeping 16 to 20 hours a day. I'm just like, is this That's a long like time. I feel like I've had this a couple of times in my life, especially in my teenage years. They also become extremely hungry. Also, me. Also, us. Also, cook, give me the cookies. Um, gorging themselves with any food that they find. They would love our podcast. And really? some have difficulty remembering anything they did during these episodes. And then oh, men, you? especially, are known to be hypersexual, which combining the kind of sleepwalking patterns and being sleepy with being hypersexual can get them into trouble. Mm-hmm. But, um, and we'll talk about that later. Yeah. We'll, t- we'll get into more of that. After yeah. Yeah. Break. Yeah. Um, so there, there you go. Nicknamed after the Disney movie. Yeah. Which again, I still, cause didn't we talk about this? What was the other one? We had another one. Was it, uh, Alice in Wonderland? Oh, oh yeah. Where I just, I, I would love to know if doctors go, if they call it the like nickname uh-huh. version. Excuse me, like, ma'am, you have sleeping beauty hey, syndrome. Hey, we're back with the diagnosis and you have sleeping beauty syndrome or if they actually call it, what is it actually called? Klein. Klein-Levine Levine syndrome. Levine. I'm going to assume it doesn't Or if there, are there any cops that like pick up somebody that was sleepwalking and, and they're like, uh, sir, took I, off all their clothes and her, so no, 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 you don't understand. I have sleeping sir, beauty I have syndrome. Sleeping beauty syndrome. Uh, yeah, you're going to go to jail now. Yeah, right, right now. Okay, Which, well, there you go. Getting so, a little sleepy talking about being sleepy. Need a little pick-me-up, need a little sugar. Oh, and we got a good one for you. We do. You The similarities. The, the brand is perfect. On theme, if on I do theme. say so myself. So, let, you are you ready? I'm so ready. Let's do it. It's a snack break. It's a little bitty snack a break and a snack. Thank you so much. <laughs> this snack break. So on brand. It's we really so did the dang thing. Um, I was first introduced to our snack break today when I was mm-hmm. in college. Same. Insomnia cookies. Insomnia and it's Sleeping Beauty. And our episode is Sleeping Beauty. We're very we're going very much with the sleeping non-sleeping theme here mm-hmm. insomnia cookies part of why this company is so cool to me their slogan is warm cookies delivered crazy late cookies are just the most classic snack or dessert ever we love cookies here that's we tells. really do uh this company was founded in a college dorm room so most of these stores are located on or near college campuses perfect which you already know that's when that you need a lot of cookies if you're in college. You do. And we we apparently just like, well, I adopted the cookie habit in childhood. It mm-hmm. grew in college and it just has never left. No. We I'm love cookies. Cookie obsessed. Today we got uh, a 12 box. They, ha- they have all different types of sizes and boxes you can order. Uh, we got a box of 12 cookies and we got a little dipper pack, which is where you can get uh, cookies that, and, it, and you can dip get different dips where Mm -hmm. you dip the little cookies. So it's these cute little tiny cookies, which Mm -hmm. remind me of the cookies my mom used to bake me and all my friends growing up. Thanks mom. But they've added dip with it. And we got the cream cheese dip. They also have a cookie butter dip. When we picked these up, Lacey couldn't even wait till we got home and she started doing the little dipper cookies in the car. Sure did. And they were so good. Uh, From our 12 box, we got an assortment of different cookies I immediately gravitated towards the double chocolate chunk. Mm-hmm. So, one of the best cookies I've ever had. 
Facts. Probably the best cookie I've mm-hmm. ever had. Uh, warm. So we the they're just they're all made fresh. When you walked into the store, it just smelled like heaven. I don't even really know what else to say. She's speechless. I, really I love am. I love anything mint. Oh, so yeah. I love the double chocolate and and mint. They had yeah they have a so mine was fa- my favorite was double chocolate chunk and then they had a double chocolate mint which is basically double chocolate chunk with a little mint mm. chips in it. Everybody everything needs a little mint. So good. that's what I'm saying. Uh, I, incredible. I, so good. If if you're obsessed with cookies like we are, you can also join their club, which is the Cookie Magic member club and for 9.99 a month you can get one free cookie any day that ends in y which is which every is day every day how how are we not already up for that? Uh, what are we doing um this includes free pickup or delivery and 20 percent off nationwide shipping and like i said it's only 9.99 a month so 9.99 a month so i don't i could what are we doing easily eat 9.99 a month easily dollar like a worth of cookies sign me up absolutely uh if you maybe are thinking i need to try out some insomnia cookies before i jump into the loyalty program because you know you're going to want to this month you can actually get five dollars off of orders of fifteen dollars or more using our code scary tales there you go you're going to want to do it you're going to try these cookies and you're going to be hooked you are you're going to want to join the loyalty program. You're going to want to get into this cookie magic. You don't have to be on a college campus uh, because they ship. They ship. There they you go. Wide. So there's really no excuse. Nope. Get you some cookies today. Yep. And and, and if it's 3 a.m., if you're up late like we are, you know, looking at scary stories, mm-hmm. if that kind of stuff keeps you up for good or for bad, they uh, they are normally open to like 3 a.m. Wow. That me? Enough said. Yep. Enough perfect said. perfect for our lives again the code is scary tales for five dollars off of your order of fifteen dollars or more you can visit insomnia cookies at insomniacookies.com and we hope you enjoy some cookies It's the part of the show where we talk about some true crime that relates to our fairy tale, scary tale. Which we kind of alluded a tiny bit to some more mm-hmm. like true connections. Mm-hmm. Uh, right before our snack break, uh, Lacey was telling us about this medical syndrome called Sleeping Beauty Syndrome, uh, which is a little bit of a connection here. A little bit. I think that's just where you sleep a lot, not necessarily not necessarily sleepwalking but so yeah the, this true crime adds a level of it yeah. adds a little bit to the sleeping part level yeah up. it has leveled level up, up, the, level up level the sleeping <laughs> to the sleepwalking so today i'm gonna be telling you all the story of scott Flater, who is known as the sleepwalking killer now listen some of these true crime things don't necessarily scare me because i feel like you know the situations I'm in or the location I'm in, you know, that kind of stuff doesn't relate to me. This kind of stuff freaks me out. Okay. Yeah. Cause because if you believe he was sleepwalking, then he couldn't control it. Right. And mm-hmm. anyone can sleepwalk. I mean, like that's just kind of not something you can control, control, control. Mm-hmm. So the cases of like serial killers, you know, control the stories where I can control some of the factors doesn't freak me out as much as this kind of stuff. Yeah. So okay, tell us about well, it. Buckle in. 
This story appeared on an episode of Forensic Files called Walking Terror. So we that's love, where I got... We love Forensic Files. We, we sure do. And that is where I got most of my information. So, on a cool night in January 16th, 1997 in Phoenix, Arizona, a man hears some screaming and moaning coming from his next door neighbor's house. Never good. For me, I would stay indoors, maybe call the police, but... He walks outside over to the fence, peers over the fence, and he sees his neighbor, Yarmila Filator, lying on the ground next to the pool and not moving. But he could also see her husband, Scott Filator, changing clothes through an upstairs window. He then sees Scott come downstairs and quiet the family's barking dog, who was just going nuts at this point, and then he headed outside to Yarmila's body. Once he got to Yarmila's body, he stood there for about one to two minutes just looking at her and then disappeared back inside and came back out through the garage wearing a pair of gloves. Oh, the neighbor's just watching all yeah, of this just, go down. just chilling. You're just, just like, get just, some popcorn, yeah. get, get okay. you a lawn chair. The neighbor sees that uh, he sees Scott drag Yarmila into the pool and then hold her head underwater so at this point he's like oh maybe i shouldn't go inside and call the police so he calls the police and he says on the 911 call i looked over the fence and the husband just threw i believe the wife into the pool and it looks like he is holding her underwater so the police Never call the police want to get no um the police arrived and they found yarmila floating dead in the pool and scott was found inside the house and appeared dazed and confused. So later Scott would describe this moment to the police saying, I remember waking up in my underwear on the floor. And the next thing I remember is hearing people screaming and dogs barking. I assume that I must've gone crazy or something in my, and that my head had broken. So can you just imagine you just wake up in your underwear and there's police and chaos everywhere. The first thing he remembers the police asking him is how many people are in the house, to which he immediately responded, four, me, my wife, and my two children, seemingly not yet realizing that his wife was outside dead floating in the pool. So a little bit about this couple. Scott and Yarmila started dating in high school, so high school sweethearts. Scott met Yarmila in a sophomore English class. We love a good English we, class. We do. Hannah's an English teacher. And he recalls being attracted to Yarmila, uh, her intelligence and her spunk. She was quiet, but a popular girl who was also artistic and friendly in nature. Of course, she sounds mm-hmm. sweet. Yep. They, they always, always do. do. Mm-hmm. Scott said that his future wife was the only girl he ever dated, much less fell in love with. And after high school, they attended college that was about 50 miles apart in northern Illinois, but they did marry their senior year in 1976. Scott eventually became a Motorola engineer, and Yarmila was a preschool's teacher's aide. Of course. She's just an adorable, sweet Mm -hmm. little preschool teacher. Mm -hmm. They seemed to have a picture-perfect life. They had two children. They had a friggin' golden retriever, which is just my dream. And they lived in a comfortable home in Phoenix, Arizona. They were Mormons, and both were very active in the church. We'll find out later that Scott was more active, but he was specifically a counselor in the Mormon church. And everyone that knew them, including their two children, reported that they had a very happy marriage. And um, 
like I said, they had two children and the two children were in the home the time of the murder. And they said that they heard nothing. And actually the police, when they were going room to room, going through the house, they found the kids asleep in their bed and had to wake them up and tell them their mother was dead. Which what's interesting to me about that is that the neighbor could hear Mm -hmm. the screaming and moaning, but the kids couldn't. Right. Or maybe, but also maybe the kids were like, like me, like, I'm just going to ignore that. There's yeah, some weird yeah. screaming and moaning going yeah. outside. We're or just... maybe the neighbor was awake and that's part of why he heard uh-huh. it and the kids were asleep. I mm-hmm. don't know. But anyway. So Scott was obviously taken into custody and he stated that he had zero recollection of the murder, but he never denied killing Yarmila. He was like, yeah, I mean, I guess I did this, but I, I don't remember doing it. Interesting. At Yarmila's autopsy, it was found that she had 44 oh. stab wounds. Six were to her back, five to the neck, three to the abdomen, ten to the breast, six to the front of the neck, two near her left ear, and twelve defensive type wounds to her hands. They found that five of these stab wounds had penetrated to the hilt of the knife, which was at least four inches deep, and at least four of these wounds were fatal, which were three to the lungs and one to her heart. They also found that she had water in her lungs, meaning that she was alive when he put her in the pool. Which I'm not sure how she was alive after 45 stab wounds. I don't know. Some people survive stuff like that because they're just bosses. Yeah, and she probably was. Okay, I get sleepwalking. Okay. Mm -hmm. But to to stab someone 44 times, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like... That's not like you slept, walked, and drank a glass of milk with your cookies. Oh, oh we're going to get to it. Like, yeah. that's one of the main problems in this case. Okay. So, okay. They, the police continued to search the house, and in the back of Scott's car, the police found a plastic container that contained a bloody knife and Scott's bloody clothes. Which the neighbor saw him changing out of. Mm-hmm. They also found a flashlight shining toward a pool pump in the backyard, and the ground around the pump was stained with Yarmila's blood, which will be important later. So remember, there was blood and a flashlight around this pool pump. When questioned, Scott's sister said that she knew why Scott had no recollection of the murder, and this is because it was a well-known fact that Scott had a history of sleepwalking. When he was younger, Scott's sister caught Scott sleepwalking, and when she attempted attempted to wake him up, she startled him, and he threw her across the room. Not only Scott's sister, but Scott's mom also remembers a time when he was sleepwalking and said, I remember Scott getting dressed at midnight, glassy-eyed, saying he had to go to school. Once, as a big boy, about 12 or so, he walked into the living room stark naked. He said, I'm going to school. And then Scott's dad also recounted how when Scott was sleepwalking, you could not wake him up or startle him. Uh, it was a, he always reacted kind of violently, and, but for whatever reason, that nobody really thought it was that big of a deal. But it was a known fact that he was the sleepwalker, and if you startled him while he was in the process, he would react. And, and that is something sleepwalkers do. You're not supposed to startle sleepwalkers. Right. I- So after the murder, Scott was monitored for four nights in a sleep study lab, and they did certain tests that showed that Scott's brain did have the typical signs of those who have a history of sleepwalking, like his brain waves or whatever. Which I was about to say, I appreciate that, that they Mm -hmm. they did a study to prove that because mom, sister, and dad are all like family members, Mm -hmm. which I get that family members would be the type of people that had the most experience with you sleepwalking, but also at the end of the day... They could be trying to protect you. Yeah, Yeah. they could be trying to protect 
the the guilty. Mm -hmm. Scott gave his testimony as to what happened that night. He said that he was outside fixing the pool's water pump when Yarmila called him in for dinner. And while they were eating, he told her about the stress he was having at work. So Scott was very stressed out during this time, which also can lead to an increase in sleepwalking. But there was possible upcoming cancellation of this computer chip project that Scott was working on, which meant that a lot of people below him would lose his job. And he was very stressed out about it. And after dinner, he worked a little bit on the computer, then went to bed. And he said that Yarmila was on the couch watching TV when he went to bed. Sleep expert Dr. Cartwright, who helped testify in his defense, believes that Scott went to sleep with this unfinished pool project on his mind. And so when he got up and he was sleepwalking, he took a knife with him to cut a plastic ring on the pool pump. And when Yarmila went outside to ask him what he was doing, she startled him and prompted this attack. So just, did she not have any, I mean, it's not like they could have bastard, but did she, I wonder if she knew about his sleepwalking thing. I don't know. If she did, she didn't know not the to startle him, but maybe she also saw him and thought, oh, he's fixed. There's no she, way he could sleepwalk she, and fix a pool well, pump. Yeah. How do you know if someone's, you don't necessarily know if someone's sleepwalking mm -hmm. or if they're just actually doing a project right. in the middle of the night. Dr. Cartwright was explaining how sleepwalkers are not capable of facial recognition, so he would not no have known it was Yarmila that he was Which stabbing is his wife. Terrifying. Mm -hmm. According to the Mayo Clinic, somnambulism is a disorder, or you know, sleeping sleepwalking is a disorder of arousal that occurs during N3 sleep, which is the deepest stage of non-rapid eye movement sleep. And it usually begins one to two hours after falling asleep and generally lasts several minutes, but has been known to last longer. So there's no way you could stab somebody in several minutes, 44 times. Theoretically. Uh, uh, I yeah, know. I don't know. There is, however, another famous case, and it was almost the story I covered today, of someone committing murder while sleepwalking, and that is Ken Parks, who drove 14 miles to his in-law's house and killed his mother-in-law, and he was acquitted of all charges using the sleepwalking defense. No. Yeah, got in his car, drove all the way there, 14 miles away, um, killed two, his mother-in-law. Two ways, very specific house. Strangled his father-in-law. His father-in-law lived, um, and he was able to get off on the sleepwalking defense. So the trial wow. began in 1999, and Scott pleaded not guilty using the sleepwalking defense. I had never heard of the sleepwalking defense mm -hmm. before this. The prosecutor's series of events described that Scott lured Yarmila out to the pool and then stabbed her. He thought she was dead and left her outside, and he went back upstairs to change his clothes, and he bandaged his hands, which I didn't mention earlier. They did find some band-aids on his hands. And when he came back downstairs, he realized that Yarmila was still alive, went back inside to get a pair of gloves, returned, dragged her into the pool, and drowned her. And then his plan was to wake up the next morning and discover his wife had been slayed by an unknown intruder. Um, the prosecution would argue that Scott and Yarmila's marriage was not, in fact, that great, which I feel like is every true yeah. crime story yeah. we ever did. Yarmila was resentful of how much time Scott was dedicating to the church, and they also said that Scott wanted more children and Yarmila did not. Also, fun fact, when they found Yarmila floating in the pool, she was not wearing her wedding ring, which mm, that's something. Like, Aspen takes her wedding rings off every yeah, night. Yeah, and my, my dad had a car accident and, mm. like, broke his wedding ring and just never got it fixed after mm -hmm. that. Yeah. But I, like, would kill David if he didn't have his wedding ring. <laughs> I'd never take mine off. Prosecutors hired their own sleepwalking expert, 
who said that, remember the four-day sleep study trial? Mm-hmm. Um, they Their sleepwalking experts said that those brainwave patterns that uh, his... That, like, proved he d- did? Yeah. They said that, that those sleep patterns could show up with somebody who had sleep nap- apnea. So it wasn't so cut and dry that, it oh, these like, brainwave patterns equal sleepwalking. It, it could be other just, things. It could be some other sleep, mm-hmm. fo- like, sleep-focused problem. Yep. Furthermore, the yeah, process... There's, there's not a sleep apnea defense. No. Like, no. just because you snore doesn't mean you yeah, can get you off kill, and kill yeah. people. Furthermore, the prosecution expert said that a sleepwalker cannot decipher between night and day, yet when Scott went outside, he grabbed a flashlight. Ooh. But again, to play devil's advocate, if he was already started that project at night... It could have already been out there. Yeah. Or if he went back outside to finish it in the middle of his sleep, he would have remembered to get a flashlight. I don't know. When Scott went inside after attacking Yarmila, prosecution pointed out that he was aware enough to bandage the cuts he sustained on his hands. That's what I was thinking. You're telling me sleepwalkers can't decipher facial recognition or between night and day, but they Mm -hmm. can unwrap a Band-Aid and place it on appropriately on cuts? Could be. I don't know. I don't know how it works. He was apparently not awakened by his wife screaming when she was being stabbed, but went downstairs to quiet the dog. The neighbor, you know, said that Mm -hmm. he saw him quiet the dog. The defense argued that the dog was just jumping on him and he was pushing the dog back off of him, not quieting the dog, but that's neither here nor there. You can't put the dog on the stand. The prosecution's sleep expert, Dr. Pressman, pointed out 65 behaviors that were not consistent with sleepwalking, one of which was that he... Uh, Scott did not wake up when he was putting his wife into the pool and the water was cold. It was a pretty cold night out and that should have woken him up. I feel like you see that a lot in movies. People like waking people up with Mm -hmm. a big old bucket of cold water. Yeah. The defense, however, argued that Scott's actions were not logical for someone that was awake. And I do think about this. You know you have a next door neighbor close by. Why would you stab your wife 44 times out in the open and then just leave her there that doesn't make sense to me that's the only thing about this case where i'm like that just doesn't make sense well and the the whole fact that when when they first like you know charged him or whatever or like asked him about it he like didn't deny it i mean Mm -hmm. he wasn't like no it wasn't me no it wasn't me he Mm -hmm. kind of like normally you know, they like adamantly deny right. that they didn't That's do it. That's the only and thing about this case where I'm like, I don't know, man. He, I don't see somebody stabbing their wife and knowing that they have neighbors close by. Like I wouldn't go right out there yeah. between me and Earl's house and yeah. stab somebody and just leave them out there. Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. Shout out to Earl. Scott Filater did testify and which is always risky when you put your defendant on the stand, mm-hmm. but I did watch some of the, uh, testimony and he did appear tearful and remorseful those kinds of things you're 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 in a lose-lose because yeah. if you are too if you're super emotional they think it's fake if you're not emotional at all they think you're cold-hearted where mm-hmm. i feel like you, you're always going to have both people on on the side of the yeah. argument for that one the jury it did not take them long and they found him guilty and sentenced him to life in prison the death penalty was on the table but his two children pleaded for his life in a 1999 post-trial interview with 2020, some of the jurors got together and they said that they could believe that Scott stabbed his wife while sleepwalking, but not that he went back to drown her. So one juror also noted the murder weapon was a hunting knife, and he said, you don't just have a hunting knife. Like, like you, well, and you don't fix a pool with a hunting knife. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what kind of knives people have laying around, but... So 
So I guess they were saying they believe that maybe he woke her up and startled. She woke him up and startled him, and he could have stabbed her while he was sleepwalking. But, then, then he tried to but by the time she went back to drown her, he was not sleepwalking. Which I guess that's the difference between first degree and second degree murder. Yeah, because that yeah, and that could be just the the freak out reaction of mm-hmm. trying to like cover it up, like you didn't mean to do it, but then you when you did it, you then but again drowning her in the pool when you have neighbors that doesn't make sense. So I don't know. But till this day, Scott says that he has no recollection of the murder. He said, all I can do is say, I do not know what happened. I do know for sure I never planned it. There was nothing for me to gain from it. There's no one else I can place the responsibility on. It's on my shoulders. I accept that and I have to move on. He then went on to say that he thinks, quote, about what she had to go through that night and the pain and terror she had to feel. I can't even fathom. Which, I mean... Yeah. Again, I feel like most people who are like guilty, guilty, they're like go they to sound their, more selfish. Than yeah, that. they go to their graves being like mm-hmm. they deserved it or blah, blah blah or like you know. Yeah. They are more defensive, and mm-hmm. he's kind of like, yeah. I mean, I, I yeah. guess I gotta accept it. He said we were meant for each other. I never doubted that, and I still don't doubt that. So I will miss her until the day I die. Um, he believes that he will never be released from prison, and he said I don't expect it. I really have no plans to go anywhere but here. And their son, Michael Flater, had long maintained that he had a very good childhood. He said that he had a father that worked hard and supported the family and a stay-at-home mom who was always there when I came home from school. He said, I never saw my parents argue or fight or yell at each other, and it was a very loving home. Scott says that he hopes he can be reunited with his wife in heaven. And he stated, she knows more than I do about what happened that night, and she will actually know how I've conducted myself since then. I want to be sure that I'm still worthy of her by how I carry myself now. That's kind of sad. I know. So I don't know about that. I'm on the fence about this one. But the- I would love to know the difference between that this case and that other case you mentioned. Where like, mm-hmm. you know, I not I know that those types of like, you know, sleepwalker defense, it's not like you're saving grace in every situation. Yeah. But you know, how does it not work for this case, but it works for the guy who drove 14 miles. Right. And he gets off scot-free and this know. guy gets lot. That's just the same. That's the same feeling I have with a lot of murder cases. Like how yeah. some people will kill one person and get the death penalty and be put to death. And then they're like serial killers who kill a million people and don't get the death yeah. penalty. I don't know, man. No, that this, was one rough. Is, this one is. Mm-hmm. Spooky. The, the, spooky, the, spooky. The story behind the story, I think, was a little bit darker. And uh-huh. the true crime today, normally the true crime's darker than the story behind yeah. the story. But I feel like the story behind the story this time was darker. Uh-huh. And that this one was more of the, like, mystery. Yes. So let us know. You can go to our Instagram and let us know what you think about old Scott. Was he sleeping? Was he not? What were they doing over there in the Philater household? I don't know. Also... I feel like I need to go home and have a conversation with my husband and be like, mm-hmm. is there any history of sleepwalking? I don't think I've ever, I've, I, I know because Chase tells me I wake up and sometimes I say stuff. Okay. Sleep talking is different mm-hmm. than sleepwalking. Cause you're not, I hope gonna, that's not the next step. <laughs> you're not, I'm going to have to mm. send you to a sleep study. Mm-hmm. See what's what's mm-hmm. happening. Um, well, if you suffer from insomnia, you know where you can get your snacks late at night. Mm-hmm. And you know where, you know, if you're up late at night and you want to go back to sleep, maybe just plug on a little scary tale story yeah you could actually that might keep you up but De- depending on the story mm-hmm. it could it could wind you down or freak you out and keep you up all night but um that's all we have for this week sleeping beauty insomnia cookies 
the sleepwalking killer. There you go. Beautiful summary. We do have a surprise for you because next week we have an episode. It's normally every other Tuesday, but we decided we might give you a little, a little something, something we've in between. Doing, yeah, we've been doing a lot, like a lot of our list of things we want to talk about has been growing. So we mm-hmm. kind of finally feel like we're at the point where we can we can give you a little bit more than we've been giving you. Yeah. And sometimes things don't aren't enough to fill out a whole episode. So Are you gonna we, tell might, what it's called? we might do a little tiny tail little we've tail got, that's tiny tiny tail tiny tails for you oh, so stick around next tuesday and we'll be bringing you a tiny tail until then until then stay spooky stay scary and stay don't hungry. go sleepwalking and drown your wife in a pool night night <laughs>